1: Good to have you tuning in tonight. They are about to kick off the game in Saskatchewan, in Regina. The Ottawa Red Blacks taking on Saskatchewan tonight. The Red Blacks have not lost, though they don't quite have a perfect record. They had a tie against Calgary. They're 3-0-1. The Rough Riders, 0-3 so far on the season. I think they will turn it around under Chris Jones. I don't know if they quite have the horses to do it yet, and certainly it's going to hurt them without Darian Durant playing Tonight, I'm going to welcome Bob Stoffer from Oilers Now back to the show. Bob, how are you doing, man? Good, Ray. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. I had a great day of golf. I, I know you let me jam out of an appearance on Oilers Now today, so I do appreciate that. One of the perks of the job, and I, uh, I got to say, it was a lot of fun. So I do appreciate that, buddy.
2: Did uh, Craig Rostnak set you straight out there at the Glendale? <laughs> he, did, but he did not, if he needed to. Trust me.
1: Yeah, he, he, uh, he did. I had an interview with Craig. We're going to air the uh, second half hour, and he, you know, he told me to tell you that. Uh, Yes, he played in the uh, in the Alberta Junior League, but he also played for Swift Current, and you never mentioned that or something like that.
2: Oh, uh, one of these days I'm going to have to give him a plug. I actually uh, live right across the street from the Rustacks in St. Albert when we were in, uh, uh, I guess, grade one through uh, three. And uh, Craig's younger brother, only by a year or two, uh, so uh, Scott Rustnecks, a, a longtime friend of mine. So uh, they had some, uh, you know, i got to tell you, Reed, they had amazing teams. We had Emmanuel Vivriels on yesterday, and St. Albert, uh, the, the ability of their players and that community, uh, and specifically, was, you know, and they've done it for years and years and years, but I just remember how overwhelming they were to play against when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, great stuff. Uh, I want to ask you this because you, uh, you obviously covered Canada West football for a long time. Any favorite uh, Taylor Field slash Mosaic Stadium memory?
2: Uh, Well, actually, it's funny you mention that. Probably the the wildest thing that happened, Reed, uh, during the time that I was there um, was a game I missed and that Kevin Karius did. Uh, Dale Shula, who was the old athletic director of the U of A, this was in Tom Wilkinson's last year. And I was working at that time, as you know, uh, doing font-court and stats for uh, CFL on TSN. And I had to to give up a game during the 19, uh, or during the, I guess it would have been the, uh, 19 uh, the the '99 season, and uh, Kevin Carius and Dale Shula went in there, and I ended up watching the video of it. Um, but I was working the Calgary Hamilton game at, at uh, down at McMahon Stadium in Calgary, and the Bears were up like, geez, they would have been up off the top of my head. I'm thinking they were up 31 14 heading to the fourth quarter in Regina, and the uh, this. You know, it would have had to have been 2000 because in, uh, when they first the first year of the Regina Rams football team remember the Rams yeah uh, the first year the Regina Rams were in the CIS the Bears beat them at, uh, at the old uh, varsity stadium in Edmonton like the Rams had just come over they'd been PFA, PFC champions of course as you know the Bears had slumped throughout the course of the 90s under Tom Wilkinson but the Bears put up Uh, I believe uh, 48 first half points against Regina in their first game in in CIS uh, against Alberta at uh, at Varsity Field. So the next year, the Bears go back there and Darryl Leeson is the quarterback. Uh, He had redshirted for a year. He left Calgary and he was quarterback. And Just to show you how good Darryl Leeson was, he made the Edmonton Eskimos in the mid-1990s when he was playing for the Regina Rams. He made the Eskimos practice roster and instead elected to go to the University of Calgary for a couple years, and they were a powerhouse. And This is when Canada West was the best conference in the country. Subsequent to that, uh, long story short, Regina comes back in a CIS. Daryl Leeson leaves. He has to sit out a year because of how their transfer rules work. That first year was Regina's first year. The Bears destroyed Regina at Edmonton. They go back there to play the next year, and it was 2,000. And Alberta's up 31-14. And the, the uh, Rams worked their way back in the game, and they won the game scoring on an on-site kick. They, uh, oh, were wow. kid yep, the, As it turned out in 2000, the Regina Rams won the Canada West that year and would go on and play in the Vanier Cup. They upset uh, Blake Nill out of St. Mary's. Neil Hughes, who had played for the Riders for a couple years, or several years, actually scored uh, at least two touchdowns in that game. And they ended up losing to the Ottawa Ggs in the Vanier Cup, like forty-two to thirty-nine. Daryl Leeson was unquestionably, in my mind, the best CIS quarterback I ever saw play. He probably should have played in the CFL. Great athlete, but I was, uh, you know, watching the video back, and I remember Carius uh, was uh, Kevin was kind enough at that time to be texting me a bit. He's like, "You won't believe how the Bears lost tonight. Like it's just off the charts. So that was in that was in two thousand. Um, I was also in Regina in two thousand and five. Uh, that was the year the Eskimos won the Grey Cup that year, and I don't know if you remember this, but Sean Fleming got sat as the kicker, and oh, they brought in a guy named Epstein, Hay- Hayden Epstein. Yeah, and I'd gone in with the Bears. Um, we uh, the when I was yesterday SAD at the U of A. This was in 05, and Alberta at that time was pretty good. They'd had back to back seven and one seasons, and went in, and they won in Regina on Saturday afternoon. The Eskimos were there on the Sunday. So Blake Dermott, who works on uh, the broadcast now, with uh, Morley and Dave, uh, Blake Dermott and me, stayed over. And we, we flew back with the Eskimos on the team charter on Sunday. And that was the game that Hayden and Epstein had the game-winning field goal blocked. And the uh, the Riders yeah. uh, got the victory. And I'll never forget Danny Machocha after the game. We're doing his post-game media availability. And they had to move some beverages uh, right down by the Eskimo dressing room and pushed and stopped the media scrum. As Machoche is trying to do his interview with and explain his justification for uh, having uh, Sean Fleming not do the field goal attempts, and having Hayden Epstein do the field goals, and ironically enough, as you know, later in that year it was Sean Epst- or uh, Sean Fleming and guys like jason moss that helped pick the eskimos up a couple times when yep. it looked like they were down and out on route 20 of the great cup so two memories a bad one for the golden bears chris Warnicki was the player that scored on the onside i was looking it up he was the player that scored on the onside <laughs> kick to give the right the uh, regina rams the victory over the bears 57 to 14 was the score the first year regina was in the cis the bears hammered him leeson came in beat him the next year they scored on the onside kick. They went to the Vanier Cup. That was in 2005, uh, the Eskimos in that bizarre game, losing at uh, at uh, Mosaic Stadium in Regina. What are, I don't even know. What do they call it now? It used to be Taylor Field. What's it called
1: Mosa- now? I think it's Mosaic Stadium at Taylor Field. Okay, so they still work go. Taylor Field in there. Uh, okay, two quick things before we get to your Jordan Everly interview for six degrees of separation. When I was working in Lloyd Minster, Lloyd Minster joined the Alberta Football League, which is the men's league. They hosted a team, I want to say this was 0-4 or 5 They hosted a team known as the Calgary Wolfpack. Yep. Darryl Leeson was the quarterback. I yep. think Mike Leeson was one of the slotbacks. Yep. It was an absolute air show. He must have passed for 500 yards. They were clearly a cut above anybody else in that league. I, I think the Wolfpack had a stretch where they won the league three times in four years or something like that. And in 1999, Bob, as you know, uh, I did my uh, Nate practicum at Global Saskatoon. That's where I met Jay Onright. I went with Jay to cover the first ever Regina at Saskatchewan game in Canada West football yep. at uh, Griffith Stadium. It was absolutely packed. And I remember uh, Regina got the opening kick. They went down and scored a touchdown and got a two-point conversion to go up 8 nothing, And the crowd was just like, what? This can't be happening. And I remember Jay looked at me and said, if Regina somehow wins this game, it'll be like a nuclear bomb went off in this city. Well, I think it wound up 55-14 or something like that for by, for the Huskies because they were clearly superior to Frank McChrystal and his team. Jason Claremont played in that game. I think a couple other yep. guys that went on to the CFL. But uh, I'll never for, forget that opening drive. But then the Huskies took over after that. So anyway.
2: Well, I, you know, I used to do some PFC games in, in the mid-90s, the Regina Rams they're the top end of the talent that they had when they had leeson there remember he was not on their 99 team because he had to redshirt because he left the ufc uh so when they made the transition they weren't that good a quarterback it was the next year that they got uh leeson and away they went and and, but in the mid-1990s i mean he was better than any quarterback that was in the sea i mean he made the edmonton Eskimos. that's how good he was and then they dropped off for a couple of years again. Right after he left, like they were terrible by 03, 04, 04, 05. They were not a very good football program. Uh, McChrystal's teams could always throw the football. It's the one thing they could do. Um, you know, last year the Bears went in and beat them. And in the first year that McChrystal's uh, been gone, but yeah, it was amazing watching that guy as quarterback, first in the PFC and then in the CIS.
1: 7:15. The uh, Saskatchewan Roughriders with an opening drive field goal. Uh, Mitchell Gale in at quarterback. Almost got picked a couple of times, but the Riders do get the field goal, and now Ottawa driving uh, past midfield. They're only three minutes into that game. You you had Jordan on, Bob. I played a couple of clips. He said he's working on his shot this summer. You you know I'd like him to see uh, one time the puck a little bit more, especially on the power play, so hopefully he's adding that. You also talked to him about uh, the the Western Conference, Eastern Conference differences. It's shocking for the Oilers. Uh, I I quickly did the math here. In the three full seasons since the lockout, 521 points percentage against the East. Not great. That's not a playoff points percentage when you you look at all the points that are handed out with the three-point games. But it's okay. And it's a heck of a lot better than their 330. Less than a third of the total points available have the Oilers earned against the West over the last three years.
2: Well, and this is the thing when we talk uh, with Eastern writers. In particular, it's the writers and some of the regional broadcasters. And my theory on this is, of course, we know how the spectrum works. When you work out west and you get to the arena early, you're watching other games from other markets. You're sitting in the media lounge. You're watching games from other markets. You you, you know, you're following stuff on Twitter. But when you're working your game after your game, you're filing. You're filing to write that post-game story. And so when you're out east, you don't. I don't think they have the same. I think they're eastern centric in their approach. And uh, the Oilers, it, let's face it, the bottom end of the East is no. You know, there's more better teams in the West than there is in the East. And the Oilers have to, you know, nut up here in terms of size to be able to play with some of the teams in the West. And you know, it doesn't matter what Shirelli does until the Oilers start winning. The the hardcore pundits out there are going to criticize Edmonton for every move. I mean, we got a we got one of the bloggers and he has criticized everything over the last three weeks. Now that has corresponded uh, with uh, somebody not having his contract renewed, so that was interesting to me. But you know, uh, the the fact of the matter is that the East the the Oilers are fine against the East, and we've seen that repeatedly over and over again. And I think that 521 percentage next year. Like I mean, 32 games, maybe they win 20. 21 games against the east next year but they got to take care of business against their own conference and that's where they got to grow so they sort of aligned their team a little bit differently and and everly he's got this is a big year for him mm-hmm. he's gotta he's got to take a step forward here uh you know Reed I don't think there's any debate about it
1: All right, I want to read you a quick text from the Big L who's taken – well, I I wouldn't read you if it was a mean-spirited shot, Bob. I think it's a uh, a (laughs) just goofing around shot at you. I think you'll like this one. Uh, The Big L says, read good U of A stories from Bob. If Everly stays healthy, he'll get 38 goals this year. The Big All also says, tell Bob I stood behind him at a Cars concert in the early 80s. His mullet was blocking my view of Rick Ocasek. Ask Bob if he remembers who the opening act was. Bob, I don't I, think you ever had a mullet, but you remember who the opening act was.
2: I can tell you right now, I've never been to a Cars concert.
1: Okay, it was somebody so else, it, Big
2: Al. Maybe, maybe it was Al Stafford and not Bob Stafford. <laughs> but it, uh well, so, I've, I'll
1: never forget the time I met Rick Ocasek, and I was like, Rick, why the long face?
2: Yeah, well, you wish you could meet him now. But, uh, <laughs> no, I, I can tell you right now, I've never been to a Cars concert that I know of. I, I, I That might have been the period in the 1980s that I've completely forgotten about. <laughs> Hey,
1: Bob, I know you had a busy day, man, so thanks for making time for me tonight. I guess I'll see you on uh, Monday because we're going to be down there covering the Celebrity Pro-Am. Yeah, see
2: you there at 10, man.
1: Right on. Thanks. That is Bob Stauffer. Get him every day from Oilers now, noon to 2, right here on 6.3. Big L, I don't know, man. It wasn't Bob. Must Maybe Bob has a clone and or a twin. That must be the only explanation. Uh, this is bad for the Ottawa Redblacks and for the CFL, for that matter. Trevor Harris, excellent quarterback for the Red Blacks has left the field with an injury. He is on the sidelines being looked at, and uh, he was sacked on the play and then grabbed his right knee. So that is tough news. Uh, Harris has been absolutely outstanding since filling in for the injured Henry Burris back in week one against the Edmonton Eskimos. We will keep you updated on that story. It's 3-0 Saskatchewan early on. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad.
0: Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad.
1: It's your favorite band, Kellen Kennedy. What's your your favorite band with a wrestler as the lead singer?
0: Uh, second favorite band. Band. My, well, what else? What other band has a wrestler as its lead singer? Well, fabulous Freebirds. Who's their singer? Michael P.S.A.s. I don't know who that is. 1980s wrestling, my friend. And that, was Chris, that. and that was Chris Jericho with Fozzy. That's right. What
1: were you tweeting about earlier this week? You were clogging up my timeline. Oh, the so draft. The, the, the WWE draft? draft? draft. What, what was that?
0: So they d- they've they decided to do a brand split again with the two shows. So Raw has its own set of wrestlers. SmackDown's going to have their own set of wrestlers. And it just was fun. That's all. So they so did the draft on Tuesday. So it's all right? Well, we, honestly, we had no idea who was going to which show until... But they've predetermined it, obviously. I'm not even sure if they even predetermined where some of these guys went. So then they never, the guys from the different shows never fight each other? Nope. Unless they have like a, if they do fight, it'll be like a brand versus brand thing, like a WrestleMania. So they create two leagues within the one league. Yeah. And then who's the heavyweight champ? Uh, Raw has its own heavyweight champ. SmackDown's going to have its own heavyweight champ. So they split the belt in two. It just seems odd to me. If it seems odd to you, how do you think we feel? <laughs>
1: well, I don't know.
2: You watch wrestling all well, the time. We, we you, are, see, you see, you're acting
0: like it's quite normal. Not, uh, it's, it's, this isn't normal. <laughs> this is just me putting a brave face on. That's all. <laughs> uh, all right. The uh, New York Rangers
1: avoiding arbitration with Chris Kreider, four-year contract, eighteen and a half million dollars. They also signed RFA Kevin Hayes, two years, five point two. Million dollars, as uh, Dave Campbell mentioned earlier. Nate Kuhorn on the six-game injured list with the Edmonton Eskimos. He suffered a concussion in practice. Uh, football coach Denny Green has passed away. We played him in the third game. Everybody played three quarters. The Bears are who we thought they were. And that's why we took the damn field. Now, if you want to crown them, then crown their ass. But they are who we thought they were, and we let them off the hook. Famous rant from 2006 when he was the head coach of the Arizona coyotes after a t- uh, Arizona coyotes Arizona Cardinals after a uh, tough loss to the Chicago Bears he will be remembered for that but uh, he was a great football coach passing away at the age of uh, 67. Passing away of a heart attack. He was with the Vikings for ten seasons. Ten seasons made the playoffs eight times. Made two NFC Championship games. Don't forget, he was uh, the head coach of that fifteen and one team in 1998, and uh, they went to the NFC Championship game. Uh, who was their uh, kicker? Was one of the And? Was it Morton Anderson? Hadn't missed a field goal all season long. Missed one that would have put the Vikings up by ten. The Falcons came back. Uh, tied the game to get it into overtime, and then they won on a field goal uh, in overtime. And uh, he was one of the guys responsible for kind of going out on a limb and uh, picking Randy Moss heading into that season at number 21 in the draft. Of course, a lot of uh, concerns about Randy Moss going into that draft. They also made the NFC Championship game in the 2000. season uh they lost bad 41 giants to the 41 uh, nothing to the new york giants and then he finished his career with uh, the arizona cardinals he will be missed passing away at the age of 67 all right can also tell you that the blue jays want to get the uh, update here on the whole uh, all the teams that are affected tonight in the american league east the blue jays are playing seattle and I had my Major League Baseball scores page open, Kellen, and now it's gone back to the well, main page. I can page. tell you
0: that it's still 2-1 Seattle, okay, bottom I of the eighth. Okay, because I switched eight, to football. So
1: 2-1 so, Seattle. The uh, Indians and the Orioles. The Orioles lead that 5-1. That's in the bottom of the seventh. And the Twins are up 2-1 on the Red Sox in the bottom of the seventh. Right now, Boston, half a game up on Baltimore and one and a half up on the Blue Jays. Of course, Baltimore and Toronto do hold down the two wild card positions. Sabres forward Evander Kane, arrested by Buffalo police today, faces numerous charges for allegedly grabbing three women by the neck, hair, and arms during an altercation at a downtown bar last month. He's scheduled to make his first court appearance on August 1st, Kane's lawyer telling the Associated Press that his client denies the charges. You will hear from Hall of Fame goaltender Grant Fuhr the honorary chairman of the Oil Country Championship. He's also going to be playing in the tournament. That's up in the next half hour. Inside Sports on Chat.
0: This is Oscar Clefbrom from your Edmonton Euler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad.
1: It is Friday night. Hope your weekend is off to a great start. Thanks for choosing Inside Sports to get you going. 8-6, Ottawa leading Saskatchewan, five minutes left. In the first quarter, CFL action tonight, tomorrow night. Five o'clock kickoff over at the Brick Field at Commonwealth Stadium. It is your Eskimos on home turf against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Our coverage here on six thirty. Ched will begin at three thirty in the afternoon. Hope you can tune in. The Eskimos two and one. Hamilton coming in at two and two. My name is Reed Wilkins. Kellen Kennedy is your studio producer this evening. Kellen, great to have you along for the ride tonight. How you been, old boy? Doing good. How you doing? You going to the Eskimos game tomorrow? You know it. You got uh, some some seats. Are you a season ticket holder? I am excellent where are your seats approximately lower section p lower section p yeah so uh you're on the visiting bench side yes
0: all right yeah. how long you had those uh well my dad had those seats way before i was born so i've just bought in ha- and gone halfers with them since god 2000 2001 you, you and your dad go oh yeah excellent stuff yeah. so when you have to work an eskimos game who does he take Oh, he's got friends. Some other son. Oh, <laughs> he's got people. My my dad's your, got people. Your dad's got a lot of people. To he's go got to a lot of people. With. Yeah. All right. Big Jim's got a lot of people. Now, do you have any uh, worry pants on about tomorrow's game? No. No. See, I always I always find something to worry about. Must be a flaw in my character. No. No, I don't. The only, the only thing that makes me uneasy is the slow starts. That's it. So you have uh, you don't have worry pants. You have like an uneasy sweatband, maybe.
1: It's a lot smaller article. It's of an clothing. arm band.
0: It's, it's this armband. band a, that I wear it's on you're, actually, you're actually wearing a
1: red wristband. I got a red, red wristband. Dare, dare I ask why you wear a red... It's basically a sweatband. Do you yeah. need to wipe sweat from your brow no. while you're working on this show? No, it's, it's you're, more... <laughs> you're like, oh my god, this show is so... this stresses me out so <laughs> much. I'm constantly... Perspiring, and I have to wipe the sweat from my brow.
0: It actually is more wrist stabilization than anything else. I found uh, late last year, come after uh, working with you for a night and that stuff or whatever. That my wrist, my my left wrist was just killing me a little bit and that stuff. So to to prevent carpal tunnel, they say put a wrist a wristband on it, and it's helped out immensely. So so. operating inside sports gives you a sore wrist. I'm afraid to ask why. Well, we got the board in front of me. That's why. Oh, just for moving just all the, the knobs and levers and keyboard and stuff. And yeah, but it's yeah. only your left wrist. Yeah, my left wrist has always been goofy. Always. Okay. Well, I'm, so, I'm sorry I remember, that I so. sort of am the cause of making no. it worse. No, 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 no. Well, I feel quite. How am bad I supposed to know?
1: Uh, Inside sports is it's presented. Called
0: get, <laughs> it's called getting older. Reed.
1: A, you are what aging. What are you now? Like 24. <laughs> uh, Action Furnace uh, by the way presenting Inside Sports Action Furnace is home of the fixed right or it's free guarantee you can visit actionfurnace.ca what do you think of the uh, what, what, do you remember that Denny Green rant let's, let's do that again yes we played them the third game everybody played three quarters the Bears are who we thought they were and that's why we took the damn field now if you want to crown them then crown their ass but they are who we thought they were and we let them off the hook it's classic. I mean Denny Green p- passing a uh, passing yeah. away today. Uh, yeah. Sadly, great co- let's not forget. Great football coach. Yes. But on a, on a, you know, on a day like today, that is one of the things, one of the things he's going to be remembered for. And we were talking with Drew Edwards earlier. He yeah. covers Kent Austin. Yeah. And he basically said, "Sometimes Kent Austin, I'm just going to I'm paraphrasing here. Mm-hmm. He says Kent Austin is a big argumentative baby after losses." Mm-hmm. That's basically what he said. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. I don't know. Does that bother you if your coach asks acts, acts like that?
0: No, no. If he's got the room, then that's you know. If he doesn't have the room, then it bothers bothers me as a fan big time. Because but, but you
1: don't care how he
0: presents himself publicly if he's if he's a winning coach. Exactly because we've seen it here in the past few years, with the with the hockey club, right, where we've had a coach that in the past few years. Didn't necessarily take responsibility for his team's on-ice a- actions, right? So. You, th- are you talking about Aikens? Yes, I don't. I don't think Aikens was like that. Uh, it came across to me a couple of times
1: like that. See, I, I don't know if Aikens... Here's the thing about Aikens. people just didn't like him. People, I, I don't. I don't know if mm. he. I don't know if he was necessarily uh, not taking responsibility for the on-ice actions. I just think pe- the fans didn't like him and didn't believe in him, mm. especially when they started four fifteen and two in his first year. Yeah. I just think they yeah. didn't like the way he he talked, and I, I think there there was the feeling that he was that he was maybe trying to talk over people's heads. Mm. Here here's the th- here's the interesting thing about this. And again, if he would have won, it wouldn't have mattered so much. I, I don't. Well, I don't think I, I. know. I know that Dallas Aikens didn't come across as a very down-to-earth guy. Mm. He kind of came across as a, a a bit of an outsider for 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 whatever reason. Uh, I mean, he liked the analytics. He, uh, you know, was into all the the fitness stuff. Now, neither of those things are in my mind flaws, but I mm. just thought when the team started doing poorly, people look for you know other things not to like about the guy. And he just never really connected. Okay. Todd Nelson came in, and, and again, that we're t- it's a it's a personality trait, it's it's a connection, and you know, it's talking to literally when you're the coach of the Edmonton Oilers through whatever medium it is—radio, newspaper, television, mm. internet. I mean, you're talking to thousands of people, or hundreds yes. of thousands of people, are going to see, hear, or read your clip. Yeah, not just in the Edmonton area, worldwide as well. It didn't help that Dallas Aikens was often talking about losses. That's Mm. the number one thing. Um, But I just think that he rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. And what is interesting is that I have spoken to, I don't want to make it sound a lot of of people, but a a few people Mm. who would know Dallas Akins well enough. Let me just leave it at that. I won't okay. get into the exact relationship or working relationship. Fair enough. But who told me that they were surprised at how Akins presented himself publicly through, okay. through his media interactions in Edmonton, mm. and that if you sat down and talked to him, you would find a, a lot more of a down-to-earth... Um, sort of reasonable, charismatic, easy-to-talk-to individual. Mm. And I had conversations, limited conversations, with Dallas Akins away from the microphone, and I must say, he was quite nice. Mm-hmm. He was c- quite friendly, willing to talk to me. He realized that I was one of the guys on the beat, yep. that certainly I, I don't travel, obviously, but he knew at home I was there every day, no matter what, at all the practices. Yep. And a couple of times you could have a little aside with him. He, he, was, he was quite nice. hmm did he always present himself um, again in that sort of down-to-earth, easy to relate to way? No, he didn't. Mm. And do I wish he maybe would have just kept his mouth shut after he moved on, after he was dismissed by the team? Yes, mm. I do. Quite frankly, I do. Yeah. I didn't like some of the things he said in the TSN interview, um, and I and I went off on that about a year uh, about a year ago, and that's fine. I'm not going to revisit that, but but it, it is. I mean, it's an interesting thing. What do you want from your coach? Because it seems with the coach, the fans want somebody who who wins. And then if you're not winning a lot, well, you better be at least likable. Mm. And then if you lose all the time, you're probably going to be hated either way. Right. Right? Or or if you lose for for, for several seasons. I mean, Mm. Todd Nelson did not have a much better points percentage than Dallas Akins in his half season as the head coach of the Evan Oilers. But fans just seemed to like him a lot more. And mm-hmm. they seemed to like the style the team played a lot more yeah. because they played a little more uh, up-tempo mm-hmm. and, and were able to come from behind in a few more games. Yeah. But Todd just sort of had that, you could come have a burger and fries and a beer with me, and mm-hmm. Dallas didn't have that. Yep. For whatever for whatever reason. And maybe, and again, maybe part of it was he chose to do that. He cho- Maybe he chose to be the one taking a lot of the heat. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Well, I do kind of know. I think that might have been part of it. But anyway, um, I mean, uh, Kent Austin is not a warm and fuzzy dude. No. And I'm not saying that, you know, if we look at our current coaches, I'm not necessarily saying Todd McClellan and Jason Moss are warm and fuzzy dudes. Um, Mm. Certainly Jason Moss, would you say... Was a very popular Eskimo. No, oh, even though he easily, even though he lost his job to Ricky Ray, he got it back when Ray Ray went to the NFL. He rescued the Eskimos yeah. uh, in the certainly the West semifinal mm-hmm. uh, against Calgary, and to a lesser extent against BC in the West final. Yeah. Um, he was known for being around in the community. He's got a a backstory uh, with his father being killed as a police officer mm-hmm. that that people. I don't you know people people feel for a guy like that and, yeah. and respect that he overcame this tragedy to become a pr- professional football player. Mm-hmm. So there's a guy who connects yeah, now Todd McClellan, obviously we know about his record as a coach, mm. but Western Canadian guy from Saskatchewan sort of you know, talks in terms of exactly I mean, I think. Mm-hmm. I think maybe did, did Dallas Aikens talk too much in abstract concepts, whereas Nelson and McClellan talked more in terms of here's specifically what we need to do on the ice. Yeah. In terms of old-fashioned or hockey on the terms, field. Yeah. whether whether the, whether or not they brought other concepts into the team is not or, or not. Right. I think you feel it's a, you're getting you were getting a little more concrete um, comments mm. from Nelson and McClellan than you were with Aikens. Maybe maybe that was part of it. Mm. Uh, I'm sure the record was a big part of it as well. You know, he's text six thirty six thirty Viking Rod says, uh, Reed, you marathon men need to stick together. Well, I've got to tell you something if we're
0: going to go down that road. Okay. Dallas Zakins is in much better shape than I oh, than I am. Absolutely. Yeah. I think the entire media corps uh, <laughs> lost about 10 or 15 pounds. corpse. Yeah.
1: No, that has, nothing to, <laughs> that has
0: nothing to do with it. Okay, I'm going to tell you
1: something. I've, I've okay. told this before. The whole donut thing with Dallas Aikens was exaggerated. Okay. Okay. Here's, I, I thought here's, so, but... Here's what happened. When you show up for training camp day, you are often there all day, okay, as a media member, because guys are doing all their testing, and it's when there's 60 guys at the start of training camp or however many there are, and you don't know when they're going to come out for interviews. So on those days... Usually the Oilers, I believe the Oilers PR staff does it, or somebody does it, would usually get a box of donuts, a one of those, I don't drink coffee, what do you, is it just a box of coffee the yeah. big, the, from Tim Hortons? Yeah, you can get those. And a couple a boxes of donuts or, or Timbits or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Okay? Aiken's first year, uh, instead of donuts, there was like a fruit and veggie platter with dip. Hmm. Okay. And that's the only day that is put out. That yeah. is not put out every day at practice. Right. So when people were like, Aikens took the media's donuts away. No, we didn't. Because we don't get donuts every day. Right. We would get donuts one day a year. It's not like there's a donut buffet every day at practice. Uh-huh. It was one day a year when we we're there a little longer. They, they made some effort to have some snackies for us. And sure. I, I i don't even eat donuts. So it's it's irrelevant.
0: So, like, they're talking full fruit bowl here? They had, like, the, the... It was
1: one of those, like, platters you get at Sobeys that oh, okay. has the, the celery and the oh, cherry veggie, tomatoes. Veggie and, and, yeah, the, I, there might have been fruit, too. Those are I good. can't remember. Those are really yeah, good. Yeah, it was, it, it was fine. Mm-hmm. So, no, it wasn't like we all lost weight and ate healthier because Dallas Aikens was the head coach. That's, in, that's totally wrong. And it just became this running joke, which is fine. Jokes are usually exaggerations. But I think a lot of people think it was real mm. that that some members of the media were mad that there weren't donuts. No, it was a minor thing that was joked about and then got blown into this whole big thing. Right. Uh, Paul says, uh, I like the teams Chris Jones put together here but found him off-putting to listen to in his interviews. He only spoke when he wanted to. That is from Paul. Paul, it's one of those things, one of them deals where you can text Mm. 630-630. Jeremy from Glendon. Oh, pierogi town. Ah. They got a giant pierogi there. Yes. Uh, what, uh, he says, what ticked me off about Aikens was when he put chop wood, carry water in the dressing room. Don't know why, but that made me mad. Fair enough. Then the next year, he had compete, execute, finish. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Macla- okay, here, what is, which of these slogans would you most want to have in your dressing room out of these three choices? Okay. Chop wood, carry water. Mm-hmm. Is choice one. Mm. Choice two is compete, execute, finish. Okay. And uh, choice three is fast, hard, supportive, which is what McClellan had. I like number three. Well, it's the most concrete. It's actually things you can do. If you're a hockey player, you can't actually chop wood and carry water. Now, he's trying to say, hey, you know, roll up your sleeves and be a blue-collar person and all that kind of stuff, but uh, didn't really connect. 9-7 Ottawa leading Saskatchewan, 12 minutes left in the second quarter. You can text 630 630. The phone number is 780 496 0063. We're going to talk a little golf. we will hear from Grant Feuer when we get
0: back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Jen.
1: Well, we're rolling out the guitar hits tonight, Kellen Kennedy. Get ready, uh, get ready for your Friday night Bush party.
0: Woo! Loose, All,
1: All right, inside sports on Chet. Thanks for tuning in. The Blue Jays lose two-one to Seattle. The Jays are an MLB worst nine and eighteen in one-run games, or so Twitter tells me. What knowledge would we have without Twitter in this day and age, Kellen Kennedy? Probably none.
0: Uh, it's uh, well
1: lesser, at least. <laughs> We'd be slightly less knowledgeable. <laughs> Maybe we would just read more. I can't read anything longer than a couple of paragraphs now. I, I, I get bored. I get distracted.
0: Yeah, that's weird how that
1: works, eh? Yeah, it is crazy. Yeah. All right. Uh, tell you what, the Oil Country Championship is starting up uh, really Monday with the Celebrity Pro-Am. Do you want to give away the uh, final uh, pass? we got two passes there. Let's do it. Seven 496 We're going to have the uh, Grant Feuer interview on. Uh, caller number 31. No, that's too many. Let's just do caller number one. Okay. First caller through. Gets a couple passes. You can pick what day you want to go to the Well Country Championship next week. Tournament goes Thursday through Sunday out at the Glendale. Great course, north northwest Edmonton. Uh, I was out there golfing today. Thanks again to the uh, Greg, Adam, and Craig and all the crew there for the hospitality. And, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. Grant Fewer is playing in the tournament. He's looking forward to the whole week. I'm
3: looking forward to it. I mean, it's a lot of fun representing the Oilers and the Community Foundation and a lot of fun coming back home. So it's going to be enjoyable. Yeah, this is, I mean, the Oilers, it's very familiar to you, right? What is it like just being a part of the team in essence again? It's fun. I mean, obviously I sort of grew up with them. I mean, I grew up watching them, got a chance to hang out here for a little while. So It's fun to still be a part of it and to be able to come back. Honorary chairman here this week, uh, what kind of... Sounds official, doesn't it? It (laughs) does sound official. How big are your duties? (laughs) Um, Actually, my duties aren't bad. I get to play a little bit of golf and hang out with a lot of great people, so it's gonna be fun to be around the golf course every day and spend some time, with a lot of people that I know but haven't seen for a long time and a lot of businessmen in town so i am looking forward to it. And playing with some of the younger guys right now. The really younger guys right now, I mean it's fun, I mean I got a chance to play with them last week in Thunder Bay so they're a great group of kids and some of them are really talented. I mean you're some of them could play on tour right now so they just haven't had that opportunity yet so it's fun to get out and watch them play and play with them. Uh, how many of these, I heard uh, overheard you talking to Kevin, how many of these tournaments do you do a year? I do between 30 and 35 charity events a year, so I aimlessly wander probably 150 days a year right now. Why? Because I enjoy it. One, I enjoy it. Two, it's for great causes. I mean, you're giving back. A lot of them are children's charities, a lot of them are children's hospitals, so it's an opportunity to give back, and it's something that I believe in doing thoughts on uh, the charity here today where all the funds are going? I think it's great I mean obviously everybody was devastated with what happened in Fort McMurray so to be able to raise some funds to go back to that community I mean, obviously it's not that far from Edmonton so it's like one big family in Alberta How often do you play uh, in an actual competitive tournament like you're doing this? Well I'll say I played last week's the first time this year and then this will be the second one so I don't play that much competitive golf anymore I might play one or two events over the winter down in California but that's about it
0: How's your game?
3: Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday have been really good. (laughs) Thursdays have been a little tough lately.
0: Well, it's Friday today,
3: so... Friday today's not bad. But yeah, once the tournament starts, the game seems to have some hiccups in it. Do you play almost every day, Grant? I play about three days a week. So in in a good week, I'll play five or six days. So depending on when I'm at home. I don't know if I ever, I don't know we've
1: talked about golf before, but I don't know if I ever asked you, when did you, get, when did you get into it or who got you into it?
3: I used to play with my dad as a kid a little bit. But when I went out to Victorian Junior, wasn't old enough to go to the bars. So a lot of the guys played golf and started to play golf there. And it was a good way to kind of get away from the playoffs where you get four hours to take a little breather. So I started to fall in love with the game then and play a little bit more seriously.
2: If you weren't a hockey player, would you be on
3: tour here? unfortunately probably not but you would have I'd much time, rather be a hockey player i'm have... a lot better at it
1: all right that is grant fewer jessica kent and uh, i talking to her, of course jessica kent the uh, community reporter for the, the edmonton oilers you see her stuff on oilers tv and on the rogers place website usually i would edit that interview kellen but I, i'm not going to lie to everybody i was golfing most of the day and i got to work at about 4:30, mm-hmm. so and... i didn't perform as many duties as i would usually do and it may surprise people to hear i actually do have some duties around the station
0: yeah exactly and just to speak quickly on jessica kent's work she has a great feature up on youtube on the rogers place channel on the bobby nicks burger that they unveiled yesterday that really fancy uh cheeseburger you'll be able to get at the new arena in the fall the uh the bob nicholson burger the bobby nicks burger yep yeah all right uh some
1: text to 6 30 6 30 Frustrated fan says, "Hey, Reed, I know you didn't want to give tickets away to the 110th caller. It's because you would never be able to give the tickets away." LOL. Frustrated fan. He, well, he does know there are 14 listeners for this program. Aver- average, 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 yes. So sometimes yeah. there's less. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's a long text. We got, how, how long do we have? Two minutes still? Yeah, we got two minutes. we break, okay, Go for we got it. time. Uh, Hi, Reid. Bob said there is no debate with regards to Eberly needing to take a step forward next season. So let's debate. If I'm Eberly making $6 million a year on a multi-year deal, that's money for life. I need to do nothing more or less than I have, which earned me the contract. In fact, I could play so poorly that they send me to Bakersfield and I still get paid. You might want me to take a leap forward, you, but I don't have to. The Oilers might need Everly to improve defensively and pot a few extra goals to improve the team, but he does not have to. Alas, there is a debate. Maybe I misunderstood Bob. You can clarify. Keith from Bonneville. Feel free to denigrate Bonneville if you disagree with my logic. Bob would certainly not hesitate to do so, and has done so, before making me a loyal critic. All right, that is from Keith from Bonneville. Well, I'm not going to denigrate Bonneville being a small-town Albertan myself, and having covered multiple AJHL games at the RJ Lalonde Arena in Bonneville. I have nothing negative to say about the community of Bonneville. Uh, Well, fair enough, you're right. Jordan Eberly has this contract. His only incentive to to get better, I guess, Keith, is playing time, personal pride, and team accomplishment. Isn't that ultimately what we're all motivated by? Does Everly want to be part of a successful team? Then he is going to have to take care of some details of his game. Yes. And let's hope he sees an opportunity here to play with the best young player in the NHL today. Uh, Fair enough. But I will not denigrate though. Won't happen. We'll bring you a scoreboard update, tell you what's going on with the Canadian Open. And we'll tell you about some U of A players moving on with their lives. Pretty exciting opportunities when we get back. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.